What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello. Welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and that guy up there in New York, longtime friend of the pod for almost half a decade now, Dan Favalli. Dan, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. Congratulations on podcasting for a half a decade. That's a mm. long time. As someone who's podcasted for like six or seven years, I'm very much aware of how many episodes that must amount to. Exactly, exactly. Um, but you're a, are you a twice a week show during the season? Once a week? What What is the schedule? Two to three. Um, and then like there are spurs throughout the year where it's almost daily. Like yeah. we've put out like 15, at, as we're recording this, we've put out like 15 podcasts in the last 10 days. So it gets like ramped up, but like once things settle down, two to three a week is our sweet spot. Yeah, is that been Hardwood Knox for six years or different pods? No, it's Hardwood Knox for the same. Started on uh, just YouTube and like the worst quality that you could imagine, mm-hmm. and it's still you know we're still pretty bad, but we're <laughs> we're going stronger and it's a little bit more organized. I like it. I like it. Um, so I thought we'd do something fun and kind of bounce around the association because I'm just reading all these different previews and I'm like Nikias Duncan's doing really great stuff for basketballnews.com and I'm reading all these different pieces and just kind of getting reacclimated with the NBA, which feels like it never really left um, and that we haven't really had an off season. It's just crazy that we're just here and watching games and the regular season's right around the corner. Um, I want to, I have a question for each team. Some will last longer than others. But I have thought about, like, I was trying to think of, like, the most interesting question I've been pondering about this particular team. And I want to get your perspective on uh, whether or not you agree with me. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, let's do this. Okay. I like that I'm coming into this blind. I, I, I wanted to do this intentionally. I didn't want you to have time to think about it. It's your gut instinct on this podcast. Because this is not a couple topics and we go into... Um, granular detail about them no 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 no. i want this free-flowing and i want your uh your instinct on this oh i'm ready i love this stuff okay first up the defending champs the los angeles lakers my question to you is simple should they be considered the favorite to repeat this season yeah i think they should and I know a lot of people will focus on the offseason additions as a primary reason why. And, and as someone who feels like some of the fits there, particularly Montrez Harrell, are a little bit iffy and Dennis Schroeder's coming off a career year. Can he sustain it? Um, I think that what actually happened that helps them the most is there really isn't a team below them in the West that got a lot better to the point they're going to be a threat. Uh, You know, Phoenix is a lot better. Portland's a lot better, but they were so far away from LA to begin with. The Clippers are probably the same. If anything, maybe they're a little bit better. They could be a little bit worse, depending on how you feel about uh, the big man rotation with Zubats and Abaka. They feel a little bit less matchup proof without Jermichael Green there, though you do have Marcus Morris. Um, The Nuggets are worse. I don't care what people say. Maybe in the regular season, they'll Mm. be better or good, but you lost Jeremy Grant. You lost Torrey Craig. Those are two of your best 
perimeter defenders. And while you know, well, we'll the Nuggets the fans, Nuggets. Predom- yeah, yeah, like they they the thing has just been with the Nuggets. They think that Jeremy Grant is replaceable. Them. Yeah. I don't hate them. I'm just saying <laughs> what he did in the playoffs for them is is really important. So unless they yeah. go out and acquire another wing, I don't see Michael Porter Jr. all of a sudden becoming the guy you throw at Kawhi Leonard or LeBron or those types of players. Yeah. I, uh... And so that helps the Lakers. That was my roundabout way of saying what's the team that got so much better they're this legitimate threat to the Lakers. Houston's imploding. The Jazz are like basically the same. Their backup center play is going to be a lot better. I don't know like why you'd pick them over the Lakers. So unless you're predicting like a fall off from LeBron or something, I just don't see the team right now. Aside from maybe Los Angeles, the other Los Angeles team that can give them a run for for their money. And just looking at the Lakers, um, their their defense and just knowing what the Clippers' chemistry was last year, I, I still think at this moment you'd pick Lakers in in that potential best of seven western conference final series but i think it's fair to be skeptical about lebron's health i think it's fair to be skeptical about a two-month layoff after the kind of grind he just went through in the bubble how important he was to keeping that engine moving being the lead guard for the lakers now at this stage in his career like he is the the engine that keeps this whole thing moving and that's a lot of tread we're just in an uncharted territory with a player like lebron in year what 19 18 are we in year 18 uh you're 18 yeah like gonna be 36 exactly like the fall is gonna happen like it's gonna be immediate it's gonna be painful to watch but like the fall is gonna happen and i i don't know like it's gonna be i think the west is better this year not at the top and i agree with you and i don't think the biggest contenders to lebron and ad if they're exactly how they were last year have gotten all that better but i do think the bottom of the west has gotten better like the worst team in the west might be the thunder and they're not even gonna be that bad like I think there's just going to be this crazy hodgepodge in the middle and I think it's just going to be brutal to get through. Like I think the grind to get through the West this upcoming season is going to be way more difficult than it was a season ago. And I don't know, I just I am fearful about LeBron and we just people characterize him as like uh, unbeatable now, but like he missed a bunch of time the season before like LeBron has shown that like that is a possibility like LeBron has gotten hurt in the last three years like we are playing with house money with LeBron at this point in his career and I think I I would not be surprised if he missed this time I don't want it to happen but like I am legitimately curious and legitimately fearful that he cannot make it through with this two-month layoff and be the best player on a back-to-back winner at this point in his career like I really think that's a that that's just where i'm at with him now if he does it then i'm just like like he's just insane like he's lebron james second best player of all time he's awesome but if he doesn't it wouldn't surprise me at all either is that a fair thing don't get mad at me lakers fans i'm just i i i'm a little nervous we're getting really really close to that point i think it's fair it's just with me at this point it's sort of like I'm going to assume he'll be fine until he proves otherwise, just because of how late into his career and like he's performed this well. I don't think anyone who's I'd be shocked if he contended for the MVP award because I think there's going to be a ton of load management worked in there. Um, also, he's you know he has Anthony Davis to fall back on, who all of a sudden turned into Kevin Durant from mid range last year in the postseason. And if you hit on either Mark Gasol and or Dennis Schroeder, like you've alleviated the shot creation burden from him significantly so this team is deeper i i don't know how much better it actually is in a vacuum compared to last year's team i just feel like the western conference didn't get improve enough overall even from the bottom up 
for me to think that this team shouldn't be the favorites. And then like the East, like whoever they go up against in the finals, I don't know which team you might pick over the Lakers. The the Bucks sort of loom, but they're shallower and there are a lot of questions there too. So uh, this this team to me is is the clear cut favorite at the moment. And maybe that changes at midseason when we've seen like a sample and we know what LeBron looks like. But but for now I think they get the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Fair. Um people are reacting already to Steph Curry which I'm here for, favorite player of my adult life. But I was talking to Andy Lou about this last week, and he was he was certain the Warriors were a playoff team and were a legitimate threat in the West this upcoming season. I am not even sure that they're a playoff lock. I've seen people pencil them in as a playoff lock. I alluded to this with the Lakers, that like the West is just going to be a bloodbath outside of the top three. I just I don't know if they're a playoff lock. Are the Warriors a playoff lock for you? If we're gonna say play in lock, I would say yes. I okay. don't know if you can call them a, for for me personally. I would say they're a playoff lock, but that's debatable. Just from uh, and look, this is like terrible promotion, but like I haven't watched a ton of preseason basketball because I'm in the middle of doing player rankings and I don't want like preseason wasn't factored in, so I don't want to be mm. impacted by watching it. But I did watch. Um, like some of the Warriors preseason so far and I think they're going to end up being really good defensively uh, they haven't even had Draymond Green yet and just the hustle they're playing with at that end I think it's going to translate and something that was kind of lost in the disaster that was last season for them when Draymond Green was on the floor they were playing like a league average defense and so there's better personnel around him now and if Stephen Curry's going to be healthy, he just carries an offense. There's a chance that the defense outperforms the offense. I do have questions about this team shooting outside of Stephen Curry. All the concerns are fair. And like you said, the, the bottom of the West is just really frisky. Like there's just, you know, there are teams that you could talk like what the Spurs could be good. They could be good. I wouldn't think that they're going to be better than the Warriors, but it's not. But they would be bad. To think like it's so. hard to see the bottom falling out. Right. And so I think. What it comes down to for me is if you tell me Stephen Curry plays in 60 of their 72 games, I'm going to give them a top six spot in the West, which would then be a playoff lock because seven and eight is like weird now because you're part of the play in. Does that count as a playoff lock? Depends on how you interpret it. But I I think I'd put them in that top six discussion. If you can tell me Steph and Dre, I'll say if you can tell me both of those guys miss 12 games or fewer, I'm going to put the Warriors as a playoff lock. Interesting. The Celtics. Something that I kind of penciled in. I think they're going to have the year from hell. We see that with different teams. I think Kimba just not being around till January, and I think they're holding some stuff back regarding his injury stuff and like how severe this might be. Yeah, the I think what people tend to, um, and not to interrupt you there, but when they say he's going to be like reevaluated or there's going to be an update in January, that doesn't mean that he's coming they announced something. Yeah, like January 13th, and he's back January 14th. That's not how this stuff works. If I had to guess, and ho- I hope I'm wrong, I don't think we see Kemba before uh, Martin Luther King Day or just just February. Which is a huge problem for them because Jeff Teague is their starting point guard. And having been a person that watched Jeff Teague be the backup to Trey Young last year, um, Trey Young or (laughs) Jeff Teague is washed. Jeff Teague is bad. Like he's objectively bad at basketball now. And you lost Brad Wanamaker. I'm not sure if Grant Williams is going to start for them at the five. Like I it's a possibility. I was reading Celtics blog just posit that like Robert Williams really hasn't worked out. Like they have questions at the five. They didn't really address that Tatum star Jalen star Marcus smart. Awesome. I, I don't 
think they're the youngest team in basketball. I don't know if you saw that, but they are by age the youngest team in basketball this year. I think there is a real chance that they have the year from hell and they're they take it a not enough to follow the playoffs, but I think they fall to six or seven seed this season. I think they have the kind of year the Sixers had last year. Fair enough. I I, I think that's fair. I actually might even tilt towards agreeing with you. Uh, the couple things that give me cause for pause there would be, I mean, look, one, everything you said is fair. I want to make that clear because last season without Hayward and Walker on the floor, when Tatum was playing, the Celtics had an offensive rating in a 32nd percentile. I think he's going to get even better at jumpstarting the offense, but that's like, that's a terrible offense right there. And so now all of a sudden you're in this situation where Teague's probably not going to do anything for you. Marcus Smart, I don't know how much more he can do for you as a playmaker. I think Jalen Brown can give you a little bit more, but having said all that, if Kemba's not back until February or if he's not himself upon return, you do find yourself in a situation where it's like, oh, do we need Tremont Waters or Peyton Pritchard or Aaron Naismith to really play a role for us right now or Romeo Langford once he gets healthy? That's like not the best situation to be in for them. And so I do think there's a chance that they tumble down the standings. However, it does feel like Brad Stevens does better with less talent. Like when you just look at some of the teams that he's coached. And so maybe having more of like this committee effort on offense will fit more within his system. But I, this is the, this is the year I doubt it because the difference between Kemba and Kyrie is that Kemba is just such a better fit. If you want to play um, systematically at all, because he's in isolation less, even though they can have like identical possession times, which I think that they did last season. It's just that the way that Kemba's points come, they're more, I don't want to say team friendly because Kyrie's really good, but it's just easier to fit into whatever dynamic. So I would expect them to kind of trail off. And it's it's not even a matter of him just missing time. It's what does he look like with that left knee upon return because he's had these issues for some time. And I also, you know, we're not talking about this enough, but like their front court rotation is like not great. Maybe Grant Williams, I'm very interested in him. Um, maybe he pops this year, but I wasn't a fan overall of the Tristan Thompson signing. It makes yeah. sense in a vacuum, but when that's your best spending tool and you needed either more wings or another playmaker and you got Tristan Thompson, I don't know that he gives you like a leg up in matchups with Bam or uh, Joel Embiid. Uh, he's definitely better than Daniel Tice, but like how much better in yeah. those situations uh, to give him two guaranteed years at the mid level. And so outside of Brown and uh, Tatum, like it just gets like they're, you know, their top four are if Kemba's healthy are going to be really good, but there are just question marks everywhere on the roster after that. Speaking of depth problems outside of Norman Powell, we go to the Raptors here. I look at this group losing Gasol, losing Ibaka, Losing important pieces, front court questions, kind of have the same issues that I think the Celtics are going to have this year. Um, Fred Van Fleet just got paid. Kyle Lowry going to fall off at some point. Like, it's going to happen. It could be this year. Um, I don't know. There's weird stuff with OG and Anobi's contract. They have to decide that soon and what they're going to do there. Um, now that Giannis is staying in Milwaukee, does that mean that they are more comfortable eating up some cap space by giving OG a $90 million deal? Like, that is a possibility. Um, I don't like their depth. Their bench sucks. Terrence Davis might not be around. We don't know what's going on there, off-the-court stuff. Uh, Matt Thomas might need to play <laughs> for this team. I I think the Raptors, like the Celtics, are tumbling down out of the top four in the East this year. Do you agree or disagree? I would disagree 
with the caveat that it wouldn't surprise me if they did. I think I'm higher than you on the talent they just have on on the margins. Um, you know, Matt Thomas, like he looks like he might be able to play some point guard for them and do some facilitation and different to just being like a scorching hot shooter. Uh, OG Ananobi doesn't count as on the margins, but just what he showed on offense last year with his ability to kind of put the ball on the floor in addition to hitting threes, that ends up being a big deal for them if he can expand that volume a little bit. And then I really like Chris Boucher. I like Aaron Baines. So like them replacing, I don't know that they replaced Mark Gasol to a T, but I do think Abaka is easier to approximate than most people sort of realize. If he's not getting like 12 to 14 shots a game, he really just doesn't have as much of an impact anymore. He just doesn't move the same on defense. And so I don't want to say Boucher is going to be an upgrade, but like there's a chance that they don't end up missing him nearly as much. Uh, there's still there's obviously questions about this depth. You probably need someone to hit. Like, does DeAndre Bembry need to play an actual role oh, for God. this team? What kind of oh, what kind of happens I... <laughs> in the front in the front court? So there's there really are questions. But I, I look at this team and it's like between Lowry, Van Fleet, Powell, and I count Matt Thomas. You have Ananobi, you have Siakam, Baines, and Boucher. Like they have eight players, like eight NBA rotation players. And so if you just get one more out of the flyers that you've taken terrence davis could technically be that guy but we've already you've already just touched upon how the all the off-court stuff we don't know what's going to happen there um so so maybe you get something out of malachi flynn this year who he looks like just super interesting as a potential two-way player for them yeah i mean they might but so they stretch eight really uh, they stretch eight nba players deep to me and some of those nba players are like really good nba players so i don't worry about them as much in the regular season are they set up to do any damage in the postseason as of right now, I'd say they're going to run into the same issues they did last year unless Pascal Siakam makes another leap as a ball handler. I don't want to talk about James Harden with the Rockets. That's boring to me at this point. What I would like to ask you about, as someone who, like, <laughs> we've watched so much P.J. Tucker at the five and enjoying P.J. Tucker at the five, Christian Wood being there now, do you think, like, let's just assume that James Harden is a Rocket this season, like for the majority of the season and him and Wall are together. How does Wood and Tucker as a front court tandem work to you? I think it works fine because PJ Tucker can camp out in the corner and shoot like a zillion percent on, on corner threes. And you're Mm. still going to get um, the floor maybe is a little bit smaller when you don't have Tucker at the five, but like Christian Wood can really shoot it. And he has, he has more of a floor game than PJ Tucker has. And so it might actually make it more dynamic. You probably run into more issues if you're going to go with cousins, Tucker, minutes like that's where the floor could get a little bit crimpy but between um john wall and and james harden like the passes that they can throw when they're when they're going downhill um i think you have wood and tucker both can be above average spot up shooters for them and so i don't think it changed changes all that much except for the fact that while wood can cover a lot of ground defensively i've I've called it chaotic ground in the past where it like doesn't necessarily make sense where he winds up going so they could wind up being this inferior defensive team compared to last season. And that's certainly going to be a problem. But offensively, I think there's, I don't want to say, I think it could honestly end up being a better team because you're more dynamic now in the front court spots where uh, Robert Covington and PJ Tucker aren't guys who are going to put the ball on the floor. Now you've subbed out Covington essentially for wood who can do that. So I wouldn't guarantee it, but I actually do think that offensively this team has a chance to gel at a higher level than last season's team. Oh, wow. I like this take. I had not heard this before. Um, the possibility that Rockets actually gel more than last year. I like it. Um, this is a very straightforward question, Dan. The Clippers point guard, when they're playing in the playoffs the next summer, who will their point guard be? 
Are we counting Patrick Beverly as a point guard? We are. I would probably say Patrick Beverly. Okay. I don't know that they're set up to just make a move. I've kind of floated, like, is there something that you could do as part of a, you know, I, I think we have to see the James Harden stuff get settled first, but, like, can you get involved as a third team if the Nets are moving Spencer Dinwiddie? Um, that's something that they could really try and look at, but there just aren't a lot of, they just have no assets now. Uh, so I would say the point guard that they have is going to be on the roster already, and it's either going to be Patrick Beverly or I'll throw this one out, Luke Kennard. Mm, they're not closing with Luke Kennard. I, I don't see that being a thing, but I, I guess it's possible. He, I, I, not to make it an Alex Caruso comparison, but I guess maybe that's a possibility. Um, well, Kennard can at least actually shoot. So that is true. there's that. I don't think it's going to be either of them. I based on things I've heard, I don't think. And the fact that like Kawhi made it such a point to be like we need a new point guard, like that was the thing and then they just don't get a new point guard. I would call San Antonio. Like the team that I would call if I'm Los Angeles is San Antonio because like they have too many guards and we'll get to them, but like I wish there was a way to get DeJounte Murray on the Clippers. Like DeJounte Murray would be absolutely perfect that would swing the west to me if you put Dejounte murray with that group is that fair it's fair but i think he's too good of a player like to just sort of say that because you need assets to get him i'd probably say they're more in range of um, Eric what's um from newark no i even Derek white i don't think they have the assets to get the, mm. the actually i would say they top out at maybe like a george hill in oklahoma city and george hill would maybe be really good for them i wouldn't hate that i just don't think it's gonna be pat bev once again i don't think that's gonna be the case um True or false? The Miami Heat, now that Giannis has re-signed with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, will make a trade for a star in this season. I'm going to say false, just because it'll be easier for them to make a trade over the off season when they still have cap space to work with. Mm. Uh, they just and they're going to they're going to need that to their advantage because they don't have you know unless it's unless they go the James Harden route which I wouldn't expect them to but let's say they do like who do you want to give up Tyler Hero for who is realistically available aside from James Harden it doesn't look like Bradley Beal is going to be available after the Wizards traded a first round pick to get Russell Westbrook and so I, I just struggle to see like you know you're not giving up Ty- like do we count Oladipo like maybe they're able to get Oladipo for you know none and um, Pre- um, Precious Achua and you know other like a salary filler because you don't want to give up Duncan Robinson in that deal either since you could probably just afford to sign Oladipo outright in free agency. So I will say false. I would not rule out Bradley Beal. Uh, have you read Shark's piece on the Wizards fit with their young guys and Beal and Westbrook today on the ringer? I did not. It's quite good. I would highly recommend it. Um, and if that goes sour... I could see Beal just being like, yeah, I'm good. And the Heat being the team that steps up and like, all right, we'll give you here and pieces. Um, true or false? I like doing true and false. I like true and false. Damn. LaMelo Ball wins rookie of the year for the Charlotte Hornets this year. True or false? Uh, that's so tough. I'm going to say false. I'll just take the field mm, here. And we disagree. Also, I'm going to say win. Also, selfishly, win. I'm, I'm just going to say that it'll be Tyrese Halliburton that wins rookie He's of the year. He's my number two. I just don't. Sacramento is just such a like it's not fair but I don't think it will be as sexy and I think that's part of winning rookie of the year where like and I understand Michael Carter Williams has won it but like LaMelo's passing already like that dude he's just he's gonna walk his way walk into like 18 and 11 and 6 like he is just gonna be so much fun and the Kings I think are gonna be better I just De'Aaron Fox is gonna cloud some stuff for him and I don't think Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier is gonna cloud it as much for LaMelo 
I, I think you're probably onto something there. Like his role is just going to be more expansive from the jump, and I think Halliburton will have a much better chance if the Kings end up moving Buddy Heald uh, yeah. because he can play really well off the Aaron Fox. And insofar as the voters value defense, like he's one of those rookies that could probably make a close to positive defensive impact and shine that way. But this isn't to say that this is how a mellow ball will turn out. But he kind of has like that Michael Carter Williams oh, no. Philadelphia opportunity. Where no, where he's just going to have so much volume, it doesn't yes. even matter if it's inefficient because that's been the knock on his game. Is you know the, the turnovers. I think if he has an issue with that, those are fine because he's trying to throw complicated, meaningful passes. But turnovers it's, you know, are it's, good it's for young jumper. guards. Yeah, turnovers. Well, are good. I'm just saying, like his scoring. I don't think that's going to be pretty, especially no. if Gordon Hayward is going to be dealing with injuries again. Like it seems like he might be at the moment, so that's going to be tough. But the the sheer volume, I think, is going to be something that potentially carries him to the top but i do think i think tyrese halliburton is going to be the player that deserves the rookie of the year award i'll put it that way i can't escape this but i really really feel like the knicks are gonna be the worst team in the east this year do you agree uh who yeah i guess i would agree who's gonna be worse than them i guess guess really the the question like you, you know what the thing is with the Cavs though is that they were on pace to win 24 games last year and they got better just yeah. because Isaac Okoro was good and they didn't make any other changes. And then the Knicks, like they didn't get, like they didn't get, I don't, I guess they got a little bit better, but like they're not, they just look like they're a mess right now. And they still don't have the lineups, at least that they're playing in the preseason. They're not emphasizing spacing around RJ Barrett, and Mitchell Robinson. And so I will have zero faith in them until they stop playing Barrett with, with Randall for any stretch of the game. I guess the other team that could creep in there is the Pistons. Uh, it feels like Blake Griffin might be, like, there's a chance he hits that ground where he's good, but he's not good enough to trade, and so they kind of wind up just, you know, stumbling into, let's say, over a 72-game season, let's say, like, 25 or 26 wins, and that's just probably not enough to be the worst in the East. So I would say the Knicks, and it, it might be pretty comfortably. <laughs> All right, we agree. Um Michael Porter Jr. will be the closing four for Denver in the playoffs next year. The closing four? Ooh. <sighs> I'm going to say yes because I think they trade for a wing. I think Gary Harris. It, well, that's the thing. Yeah. If they don't trade for a wing, you can't really put him at the four because you yeah. need him to be a wing and play Millsap or Green. Um, I just – yeah, I I'll, I'll, say, I'll, I'll say true just because Paul Millsap does not look like he's aging very well no. all of a sudden. And then I really like Paul Millsap, but he's going to have to like re- rekindle himself or, or Jermichael Green's going to have to be, you know, insanely good for one of those two players to have a lock on the four spot. And I do ultimately think defensively um, there's a chance MPJ is better off at the four because it will allow him to roam a little mm-hmm. bit more. And that seems like where he's going to be best suited. I don't think if he's ever going to be a good defender, I don't think he's going to be like this shutdown on ball guy. I don't either. And I also don't think it's good for his injury stuff. I don't think he needs to just kill himself defensively with his body. Seems like he's prone to injury. Um, yeah, imagine Ron or Kawhi. Like, yeah. he might just break in half at some point during the game. Exactly. You don't want that. Um, That's why Jeremy Grant matters, folks. He preserved MPJ's body. <laughs> or just Tory Craig. Um, weird offseason for them. Yeah, uh, yeah, him too. It sounds like you're going to, uh, based on your Rockets answer, I don't know if you're going to agree with this, but... Do you think, let's just, clairvoyant Dan here, it's March 17th, did the James Harden for Ben Simmons trade happen? I'm going to say no, because I just don't see, like, I don't know what, people just keep talking about, like, what is Philly going to attach to Ben Simmons to get James Harden? And I know that James Harden's a top five player right now. 
but he's two years away from a payday. He's 31 at the moment. Like, Ben Simmons is under contract for five years. He's so young. He's already, even though he's drastically flawed, he's already an all-NBA caliber player, going to contend for defensive player of the year at some point soon. I just don't know why you give up that, like him, to get James Harden and, like, essentially shrink your window to two or three years. And it's so turbulent and rocky because Joel Embiid's health is far from guaranteed and i didn't realize this was necessarily a spicy take until i was talking to some people but i would flat out trade joel and bead before i would trade ben simmons oh absolutely not hell no no not if you're philly i think in other teams yes i think that's probably fair but in terms of philly you that's just a pr disaster you can't do that you you cannot pick ben simmons over joel it's considered sacrilegious but i just don't I, I have to get, like, I'm not attaching anything, most certainly, to Ben Simmons. And you have to attach some salary, like yeah. Mike Scott or somebody, fine. I, I see the reasoning behind that deal, but it just shrinks Philly's window so much because I know Embiid and Simmons are imperfect, but I still think there are things that you could do to kind of, like, improve the roster around them. And I think they might have done them. Like, I, yeah. I do, what I think is the most likely outcome is that Philly is too good to justify making a change that large midseason. Can I also say that, like, I don't think putting Harden with Joel Embiid's the best idea in the world. Like, I think that would terrify me as a GM and owner. Like, I don't want Joel Embiid hanging out with James Harden a bunch. I, I don't think I want Joel Embiid getting comfortable. Like, Jimmy Butler was good for James, for Joel Embiid, and Jimmy Butler is like a work, a holic, all that kind of stuff. And I understand Harden's a warrior and plays 82 games, but like, if I had to find somebody to like personality wise on the court, I don't, I don't know if I want to pair Joel Embiid with James Harden in the prime of his career. I don't know if I want to do that. I think that's perfectly fair. And there's look, there's a level of overthought to this on all of our parts. James Harden is a top three, five guy. So you add him and figure it out later because he's so good. But Philly's just like such a special case because there's a chance that this team ends up being like ridiculously good with a chance to get better and better as time goes on. And where if you get James Harden now, you're saying, okay, this is our ceiling because how are you supposed to get any better after that when you know when you look at his age and then just your lack of assets yeah um my spiciest nba take um i think the nets are winning the east this year do you agree or disagree i would disagree but i don't think it's they they're so talented at the top that it wouldn't surprise me if they came out of the east and it's all going to just come down to what kevin durant looks like i i did watch his first game back and, and he looked really good but like can he do that for 30 minutes a night still how many games is he going to to they're play playing in playoff basketball he, like they're doing my turn your turn already like it's just they're playing playoff well, the basketball thing, the thing i've kind of noticed with them though is that they do have a lot of more off ball movement yeah um that i'm used to seeing with Kyrie and katie teams and so that's actually really interesting to me but two things stand out is one what happens when you're not playing the wizards and two what does the defense look like because after bruce brown you know, there you could talk about some guys who might be their second best perimeter defender, but there's a chance that it ends up being Kevin Durant, which is like a problem in that case. So, uh, I don't. It, I think they need to make a non-James Harden move to become mm-hmm. the Eastern Conference favorites. Like, if you could add without, like, if you could add Aaron Gordon to this roster and what he could do for your defense at the four and the five, I would, I would totally buy into that take. And then there's look, there's obviously the health perspective, but I don't think it's as wild as some people have made it out to be because what happens when players get injured or when they don't play for a while is you have time to think about and for, or rather forget about what they were. 
and a reduced version of Kevin Durant after an Achilles injuries is probably still going to be a top 10 player. And so to have that next to Kyrie, next to just other creation options and Dinwiddie and Levert, even if it's sort of this offense first attack that plays minimal defense on a night to night basis, uh, they're, you know, I think I was probably more pessimistic on them until a few weeks ago, uh, but they're going to be a really good team. So it wouldn't surprise me, but they, they wouldn't be my pick. I'd probably have two or three teams in front of them at least. Yes or no? The Milwaukee Bucks, now that they have Giannis Antetokounmpo locked in for five years, um, do they make, are they more comfortable making another Drew Holiday type trade where they give up a bunch of future assets because they know they have Giannis locked in? Um, I mean, the answer is no because they don't have any future assets to give up. Like, yeah. they've already just maxed out the distance of picks that they can move regardless. I think what they might be more comfortable doing is. Dante DiVincenzo salary filler every second round pick in their arsenal and like what does that get you is there just a player that becomes available midseason that you can get for that price I think because they have Giannis um you know under contract for the next six years including this season or five years because he has the player option uh, they are more inclined to do something like that now regardless though I will say that if they don't re-sign Drew Holiday after next season uh, that trade, I know it probably it gets Giannis back, so it's tough to say they lost it. But that ends up being like a borderline catastrophe for them because they just don't have anywhere to pivot after that. My gut tells me they're going to trade for Oladipo at some point. Um, I don't like I like I'm not crazy about that fit. If it was instead of Bledsoe, okay, fine. But now if it's with Drew Holiday and Giannis, like I still wouldn't be crazy about the spacing. But there. I'm also not overthinking so, Oladipo, Middleton holiday and Giannis in the east that's that's also fair that's as well. that's going to be very very difficult to beat four times in a seven game series i uh, they're better for the playoffs and yes. people make this joke but it's true because they're shallower like now it kind of forces yes to this play. is a good thing yes yeah. okay we're on the same page here i actually yeah, i very much agree with this they, it's like they might be worse in the regular season and mm-hmm. they're just better it's like the inverse of the nuggets who are, might be as good or better in the regular season but they just don't seem as built for the playoffs the bucks are the inverse of that i like that um do you believe the san antonio spurs keep all their guards including demar Derozan, through the remain through uh next season I default yes, just because they're like not the team to make a shakeup unless they have to. And when you're looking at DeMar, the size of DeMar DeRozan's contract, I know it's expiring and he's still good. I just don't know which team is going to come up and be like, hey, we really want DeMar DeRozan and can send back um, either similar expiring salary because the Spurs are built to have a ton of cap space next year. Or are they willing to give the Spurs or like what's the team that's going to attach, let's say, bad money or longer term money to an asset? Um, for the Spurs as they enter their rebuild, I just don't, I can't identify any any team that'll be in that situation. Uh, I guess there's a chance they move Patty Mills, but that kind of feels like a you know a move that would be weird for the culture. But to me, he's probably the most likely guard to be moved. You want to keep Derek White even if you don't extend him because he's just he's so good. Um, and I, I feel like Demar Derozan is just going to be too hard to move. I don't see them. I don't know why you moved um, Jadante Murray unless you think that. Trey Jones and White and Devin Vassell are like the future on the perimeter or something. So if I had to pick a guard, I'd say it's Patty Mills, but I, I don't think that they make anything, uh, they do anything substantial in the middle of the year. That's a cop out though, because it's the Spurs and they never do anything significant during the middle of the year. Luca, the odds on favorite to win the MVP, 
do you think he has enough firepower around him, especially with Porzingis getting hurt, to win enough games to actually win the MVP? I do, and I kind of feel like the Porzingis injury, it doesn't help the Mavericks, but it helps his MVP case because he's going to, he's not going to, you know, you're not going to have these, he's like, oh, he has this legitimate second star, and it's maybe it's similar to the Tatum in Boston right now, where it's like, well, look what he's doing without Kemba. Luka's shown that he can elevate a team to play like, you know, like a 50-win team without KP on the floor. And you've kind of even made yourself more reliant on him offensively by trading out Stephen Curry for Josh Richardson in the name of your defense. So as long as he remains healthy, um, I get why he's the odds-on favorite. I would be shocked if he finished, finishes lower than third on the ballot this season. It just feels like not only is he good enough and the Mavericks good enough to get him to that level, but narrative is part of it, whether or not you like to admit it. And the Dallas is going to have that too because of Kristaps' murky health. The Cavs. This is something that I think is going to be interesting to monitor. And I'm going to be surfing through NBA.com sortable stats a lot this season to see how this lineup fares. But I think we're going to have a very positive point differential for Sexton, Garland, Okoro, Kevin Love, and Andre Drummond with a heavy minutes load this season. Do you agree? I could buy that. I'll agree. Uh, the I think the Garland and Sexton combination last year was like actually surprisingly effective for Cleveland and you add in a wing now and Okoro who could you know I need to see his offense just translate over the longer term what he's doing like his shot making has been unlike anything I expected um it to be as a rookie but defensively it just feels like he's ready to make an impact um personally I probably don't like Andre Drummond in that lineup I'd maybe rather see like love Nance or yeah maybe even you know pretty much anyone else other than Andre Drummond not like Javon McGee or something but you know could you do even like Nance and like I don't, like go super small with Nance at the five and play you know Willer or Osmond at the four, but I think those there's there's a pathway there. If Andre Drummond is like engaged defensively, there's a pathway to that lineup being being really good. And a swing skill there is like Colin Sexton has the tools to be a really good on ball defender. Let's see if that happens. This maybe really good's too much of a stretch, but like he won't be moved around like he's nothing if he gets better on defense. And that could be like sort of a swing factor for Cleveland this season. Next up, Killian Hayes will end up being a star. Yes or no? I don't know enough about him to say this, but I, I'm going to lean no, just because he, from what I know of his game, like he needs better spacing around him than the Pistons have right now and so if he's going to be a star in detroit it's one not going to happen this season and two it has to happen on like a completely different roster than is around him right now and it's just hard for me to envision what what like the pistons are are doing i don't think they're in like this hole that people have um you know uh, consigned them to after the offseason which i think was certainly just weird in the interim, though, like the next one or two years, I feel like could end up being really rough for Killian Hayes because they don't have a lot of relief around him. They don't have a ton of space for him to operate in. And that just feels like a bad recipe for, again, what I know of his game. And I, I just haven't watched enough, though, I guess, to say anything definitively. True or false, the Thunder will not finish last in the West this season. I'm going to say false because they'll do things to make sure that they finish last. There's <laughs> there's no way Trevor Ariza and George Hill finish the year on the roster to me. And, you know, maybe this makes Al Horford unhappy, but his minutes probably get slashed if he's not playing well, uh, good enough to move. If you told me they weren't going to make any changes, I'd probably say true because, like, this team could still be kind of good. Like, they're, they're five best players. If, if You know, if you roll out a lineup of Shea, George Hill, um, Dort, 
Baisley and Horford or, you know, Baisley, Ariza and Horford or Dort, Ariza and Horford. Like they have six players like this roster get like six. Well, they're not NBA scoring players. there. No, but they're defending like hell. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Um, I can't escape this this gut feeling. Dan, I think Zion or Brandon Ingram have a, a step back season. I don't know which one. But I don't think step back is... three season. No, sorry, no, good, no, I don't think so. Even though Brandon Ingham does have a good step back three, I, I don't think this partnership is going to be the cleanest fit of all the young stars. When I think about the way these two play and what we saw in the bubble last, like I don't think this is going to work long term. Early returns are I'm suspicious of this pairing, and I think spacing is going to be a problem. For the Pelicans this season. We already saw it in the half court last year with Lonzo, with Bledsoe, with Ingram, with Zion, and whoever is going to be playing the five for them. Like, I, I just, I think this is going to be messy. And I think Stan Van Gundy is going to get them playing defense. And he's, he's going to be good for Zion on that regard. But I don't think they're both going to have a really good, like, oh, here is the next step because progress is linear and everybody progresses the exact same way. I think one of these two are going to have a very bad year, and I just don't know who it is. Is that fair? I don't think it's unfair. I wouldn't predict a very bad year from them, but I can see Brandon very bad, but I think it's a regression year. I think one of them takes a step back, and we we cool on them a little bit. It would have to be Brandon Ingram, just because like, what does Zion take? I know he was really good in the regular season, and then like sort of cratered in the bubble. But like, he played what was it, fourteen games or nineteen games, whatever it was. Ingram is the one that you look at because, no, it's not the cleanest fit next to Zion, and you've complicated it by just you know shrinking the floor around them. Um, yes. I know they were a pretty good shooting team last year, but you've traded out Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe, who's a much worse shooter. Is Lonzo Ball going to shoot 37-plus percent from three again? And even when he is, like defenses aren't respecting him the same way as other shooters. You've now decided that you're never basically going to play Zion uh, at the five probably because you have Hayes and Adams, and then – whoever's at the five isn't a shooter either. It gets really, it could get really clumpy. And there are lineups where you could have three shooters around Zion and Ingram, but how often are you going to play, you know, let's say Redick, Hart, Ingram, Zion, and Ball. Like that's probably your best shooting lineup, if I'm not mistaken. And it doesn't seem like they want to play Zion at the five very much. So uh, with Ingram specifically, we saw his efficiency, individual efficiency dip when he played beside Zion. Last year, I do think his game's a little bit more adaptable just because of how well he shot on catch-and-shoot threes, but there is something to guys needing to be in rhythm, and if his on-ball touches get slashed or he's just not able to get to his spots as easily um, since the floor shrinks a little bit, it'll it'll be an issue for him, especially when he didn't take a defensive step forward. He took like eight defensive steps back last season. I think what they need to do, and I don't know if they'll ever do this, is we need to see Brandon Ingram at point guard lineups, whether that's with second unit heavy players around him or not, whatever, I think that could help him. And if you're looking for positivity, like, you know, the Lakers ran some clumpy offenses when he was there and he was still able to get to his spots. He just couldn't finish. Still, when you see someone improve as much as he did, while I mostly buy into it, given the personnel around he and Zion right now, he would be the player that I'd pick to take a noticeable step back. Let's not say he implodes, but I could see him taking a noticeable step back. The Wizards beat out the Hawks in the play-in game for a, the last playoff spot in the East. Do you agree? Ooh, I'd say no. 
I just like Atlanta's depth and overall roster better than Washington's. I think the Wizards do have a chance to be better than people are expecting just because uh, Russell Westbrook is still a good player. It's just tough to have a, a star and team around him that fits perfectly, and the Wizards come close to doing that. Bradley well, also, Beal they were is, playing Isaiah Thomas and um, uh, Ishmith yeah, they have as like, their league guards, and they almost made the playoffs last year. Yeah, so I, there's a there's a chance that maybe they're like above the, the play-in mm-hmm. like spectrum and perhaps that throws us for a while. But if you're saying both those teams are like, it's the final game and it's them, yes. I would just pick Atlanta. Their defense is rockier, but but they're deeper and they could throw out a bunch of different lineup com- combinations where it's not just, is it Capella at the five? Is it Collins? Is it Gallo at the five? There's just so many different things that they could do. Well, I don't think Collins will be there at that point. Just my suspicion. The, the fact that the extension stuff has gone very quiet I just uh, I feel like that may be a problem. Well, they're built to make a trade just yes. because they have him well, and then they have minutes. like well, like people are going to get pissed off. So like when I like one of the things I was arguing about Hawks fans with is that like there's not enough minutes to go around. Like there's just not and you're not going to be able to keep everybody happy. Like Gallinari coming off the bench is fine, but like you are not going to play Anyeka, Fernando, Capella, Collins, Gallo, Hunter. Like it, they all need time at the 4 and the 5. Like I I just it's not going to happen. There's just too many guys. And I understand that depth is important and they need more depth, but like, it's just too clumpy. Like there's just too many guys. Yeah. There's, I mean, one of the young wings is going to end up being an odd man. Is it Kevin Herter? Is it Hunter? Is it Reddish? I don't know. So they are built to make a move and they have Tony Snell's expiring contract to use. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did something. Um, It just, I'm just curious to see how the trade market develops because some of the players that could feasibly become available I don't know why you would want to. I mean, not that you wouldn't want to, but like, are you going to really go after Bradley Beal? Let's say once Bogey and Gallo are eligible to be traded, because you probably have to give up one of them just to make the money work. And if you don't, like having Beal and Bogey and Gallo and Trey Young on the same team is just. I mean, it's it'll be molten on offense, but it'll be a turnstile on defense. Right. Your ceiling's limited. Like that's just something you can't do. Um, the Suns. Devin Booker gets MVP serious consideration this year. Yes or no? What do we consider serious? Like top seven on the ballot? Yeah. Top seven, top five, maybe. I'm going to say yes. There's a chance that Chris Paul cannibalizes some of that, but people are starting to come on to the fact that he's really good and not just as a scorer, but like he's his passing while he's not throwing like the James Harden, Ben Simmons, flashy type passes. um, You know, when he's backing guys down or when he's, you know, navigating traffic inside the arc. He's generating shot opportunities that wouldn't exist if he wasn't on the floor. And there's a chance that, you know, last year was the first year they gave him more than, let's say, two legitimate NBA players around him, and look at how well he played. Now they've given him a roster that could feasibly finish top five in the West. I don't know why we would expect him to get any worse. He probably only gets better. And what would really help him is we know Chris Paul is going to have just certain nights where he's probably not playing or maybe he's on a strict minutes limit. If they're winning just game, if they play like 500 basketball with however many Chris ga- uh, games Chris Paul leaves, the the narrative aspect of the MVP writes itself. I would, if you told me that he won it, I'd be totally floored. Uh, just looking at the other candidates, but top five, top seven, that seems reasonable to me. The Wolves will be way worse than everybody expects this season. Do we not expect the Wolves to be bad? I People guess really, I see a lot of Wolves are making the playoff stuff. That like No, that's I, nope. It's not happening. This team sucks. And the roster around them sucks. Like the wing depth sucks. Anthony Edwards, I think, is a really bad fit for this group. I, 
they're going to rely on him a lot. I don't believe in the Russell Town stuff. Like, I, I think they're going to suck. I really think this is going to be a bad, bad team. Like, they are the dark horse for worst team in the NBA this year. Yeah, they are. I mean, if Oklahoma City Thunder doesn't blow it up. Yes. Like, there's a, ch- there's a chance it's Minnesota. I would say the three candidates are Minnesota, um, and they don't even need to do anything. Like, they could just be terrible. And I'll still – I can't quit Tar- Carl Anthony Towns. I won't blame that on him. It's just they don't have defense around him. They don't even have, like, a viable four no. to play next to him right now. Um, And then there's also the Kings loom because I think they showed – with the Bogdanovich decision that they're going to um, consider tearing it down. And so I look at Heald, I look at Bielitsa, I look at Holmes, I look at even Harrison Barnes. I, I would peg, if you set the over-under at 1.5 of those guys not being there at the season, at the end of the season, I'd take the over. Interesting. I think Ryan Saunders is the first coach fired. That is my spiciest take, I guess. On oh, really? Line. I thought maybe it'd be a Luke Walton dealing with a new front office and the Kings are probably going to be well, bad. See, I have the Kings kind of the first making the play-in. Like, I think they're going to be in the playing game. I think Halliburton's going to be really good for them, and I think they're they're going to be better than people expect. I think the Kings are actually going to be really good, and De'Aaron Fox has a really good year. It, it, that's my guess. I think the Kings will be better. Um, but I think Ryan Saunders is in trouble. Um, also, Lloyd Pierce, because I also... Uh, we'll get to Pierce. Yeah, that was going to be the other guy that I that I mentioned, because he's they've decided that they need to be a playoff team for some reason. So if yes. they're not off to a slow start or if they're even only contending, you have an in-house option now. Like they literally hired his potential replacement. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Nate McMillan um, marginalizes all the offensive options options on this team. If in fact he does become the head coach, <laughs> it's a possibility. Um, the Kings speaking of the Kings, I, I really do think they make the playoffs with Ty Halliburton. I'm all in on this. I think he's perfect for De'Aaron Fox. I think it makes the Bogdan stuff okay. I think the Kings have enough veteran help. They have enough talent around them. I think De'Aaron Fox makes a leap. I think if you get a full, healthy Marvin Bagley season, which I think is a possibility, I think this team can make the playoffs. Yes or no? I'm going to say no in large part because I think even if they hint at that track, they're going to steer out of it. There's, I don't think they... They they want to get younger around De'Aaron Fox, and that makes guys, especially ones who are going to be in free agency after this season, like Holmes and Bielitsa, There's at least one of them is gone. I'd say probably both of them are gone. Uh, if they have a deal for a heel that they find, I'm I'm sure they like that they like. I'm sure they would take it. Barnes is probably harder to move, but he's still a player that could help a bunch of teams. And even if they don't make a move, the one thing I'll say is Barnes. If you, Why? They, I don't think they need to. Yeah. But I'm saying he's. He's good, but the the bigger thing is, let's say they don't make any moves. I have sub zero confidence in the wing rotation, just because like, all right, if you're in love with Kyle Guy, fine. If you want to see Tyrese Halliburton kind of stretch out to the three, I would be here for Fox. I like, Halliburton. Third. I like him, but is he going to stay healthy? The fact that he didn't have any other offers before this and only has a hundred K guarantee leads me to believe that he's probably not healthy. Um, the thing with Harrison Barnes too, is he's better off as a four at this point. We've just known that for a few years now and yeah. you're not really built to let him play the four and they're, you know, after him, their best wing is Glenn Robinson. The third, like that's not ideal. No, but I also think he'll gets moved. So I think he'll is put and they might get some more depth in a heel trade. Um, the blazers do not keep running it back with Lillard and McCollum and McCollum is gone. Yes or no. I would say no. Uh, Are you, I don't know if you're expecting that to happen mid season. No, by the end of next year, this time next year, I guess not this time, the summer, like the closing after the season's over, we go into next year. Like when we're previewing the next season is McCollum still a blazer. 
I'm going to say yes, just because they do seem married. They would have to have a, I think they would have to genuinely underachieve this season for that to be on the table. And even if they did, I think what they're more likely to do is consolidate youth and draft picks just because they have like this mishmash in Anthony Simons and Zach Collins and Nasir Little, and they have their future picks with the exception of 21 that they could move. So that would be the route I think they go first, just knowing how much they value continuity. I will say if they wanted to, they could make a sneaky good offer for James Harden if they wanted to go that route. Yeah, so we'll see. It's not Harden. You know what? I would love to see one season just to see it. I would love to see Lillard and Beal. Those two in a playoff series. Just the Flames. Those two would throw in the West. Like, McCollum's awesome, but just the shooting of Lillard and the gravity of Lillard and Beal and teams having to run around them. Like, I I would love to see it. It would not be Clay and Steph, but it would be the closest we've seen since. Correct? Maybe. there's. I definitely like the Beal fit better because he's the superior passer. And then I think that... Um, you can you're gonna get more out of him defensively, especially if he's not carrying an obscene workload like he was last season. It's just McCollum's generally been really good in the playoffs because teams literally just give up the shots that he wants to take. Um, I would still make the move. I want to make that clear, but like, what else are you attaching to McCollum? Where Harden, you know that he's like a walking forty-five to fifty-win season unto himself. We also know that Beal is not. So I, he's again, he's clearly better than McCollum, but just between Harden's playmaking and the types of shots, like the gravity he has uh, more so than Beal, that's something I'd be willing to go all in for before a Beal trade. But I, w- I would absolutely love the Damian Lillard-Bradley Beal pairing. I, I would love to see something like that. I'd just be a little bit surprised if they made a, a move like that in the middle of the season. That feels like something that would be on the table more so next year. The Jazz trade Rudy Gobert before the playoffs next season so we're saying Rudy doesn't get an extension then I mean they did sign Derek Favors and draft as a bookie I'm I'm gonna say no just because it feels too hot takey to really like predict that who is the team that wants to trade for for Rudy Gobert I just want to say before you answer I really don't want to hear any Boston Celtics proposals because they generally okay good (laughs) I think Boston likes not so one of the things I like about Boston is that they don't prioritize the big man anymore. Like they're just like we can go find some some guys off the heap and we can. Well, find they did him. they did prioritize him this offseason. Well, I mean, so like the Tristan Thompson one, you do. What I'm saying is like they're not looking for like a franchise big. Like they're they're building around their wings and their guards. Like they have elite wings and that's what they're doing. The, like I think the Clippers do the same thing where they're like, okay, we got our wings and we'll go figure this out. The Lakers are a little bit different, but like. I the the Warriors like just I think most of the smart teams build around guards and wings and then they are like we can find a Clint Capella whenever we want um I don't know who the right team is here I guess Detroit because Detroit has loved loved them some bigs this offseason Troy Weaver big big guy um the East is big man I I don't know who it is I I agree with you that like I don't know who the right because when you go up and down the list you're like who who's doing this like who is the right team to do this and i guess like if you wanted to be interesting like golden state and like you throw wiseman in there right away and they they just get younger in utah but like i don't think they would do that um i have thought about phoenix a little bit where it's mm, like what if you can you play Aiden as him, or is Aiden getting traded no Aiden gets moved and Ooh. i think you you consider that if you're phoenix to me just because of what he does defensively if you're allowed to keep uh mikhail bridges 
as part of the package. If that Dallas would be had like more, the, Dallas is the answer. Like, if you want to get off, if you're scared of Porzingis' stuff, like, you're really scared about, like, what his future looks like. Um, yeah, but then you're in a situation where now you've, you're paying, once Rudy Gobert gets his new deal, like, $50 million a year or more to what basically amounts to two centers. And I just don't, even with the way Porzingis yeah. shoots, I don't think that's the way to go. That's what I'm saying. There's not a lot of clean fits. There's not a lot of just... Oh yeah, this team will definitely do that. I don't think that uh, that right team exists, and I'm I don't know. I don't. It will be hard, even if Mitchell and Gobert hate each other. Um, the Pacers are too competent and sneak their way into a four seed this year. Four seed? Yeah, I'll say no. I think they're I'm gonna just... be four seed if they keep uh, Old Depot. I even they're if they too keep competent, Old Depot, man. Just... This this group is too competent, and I think there's a real chance that Mr. Nick Nurse 2.0 over here is just like a dude who just out, gets the most out of all of these guys, and they're surprisingly good. And they just they're not going to play a bad player. Like this is not going to happen. There's not going to be a bad young player on this floor. I I get the reasoning. I guess I'm just banking on a little bit of a shakeup there for them. Where do they move Oladipo, or is he he worse? Um, than they're anticipating because he didn't play so well in the bubble. And I think the one thing that could they could run into an issue with is that if Oladipo isn't the same player he was in 2017-2018, but he continues to try and play like it, as he did in Disney, it becomes a situation where he's hijacking a ton of possessions, which doesn't bode well for them. So four seed seems like a stretch, but I think in the East you could probably talk yourself into anything um, you know, between two and uh, two and eight in the East. I think you'll like this one. The Magic finally trade Aaron Gordon. Yes or no? I think they kind of have to trade Aaron Gordon this season. They've been reticent and borderline stubborn with regard to not kind of tearing it down where it seems like they've needed to do that for two years. This is the season to go that route since you have teams that are probably going to be on the come up in Washington after getting Westbrook with with what Atlanta did. Um, You might find yourself in the play-in situation more so than you find yourself in the um, firmly entrenched into the postseason picture. And the with Gordon's contract, it has one year after this season, it's declining. You're not going to get a ton of value for him, but I, I still think you get like something positive, a pick or a prospect. And there are a lot of people split on his value, but he's a really good defender. Um, so he can elevate a team from that. He, he shot fairly well in catch-and-shoot threes toward the end of, of last year. Um, or at least after the the turn of the calendar. I think he was over 35%. And a team with better spacing probably gets him higher quality looks. And a team that doesn't need him to handle the ball as much, that's probably his best role. And there will be teams out there. Again, I don't know what the asset is that you get, but with Jonathan Isaac needing to be paid uh, either in his extension that might happen soon or during restricted free agency, Markel Fultz is, is in the same boat and you've already paid Vooch. Like it might just behoove them to get a little bit cheaper for next season and you could do that maybe flipping gordon um for a package that includes again a picker prospect and expirings and there are just you know you name multiple you could probably name multiple teams off the top of your head that makes sense for him i mean minnesota think about him playing with carl anthony towns uh, he'd be a, he'd be a good fit in portland um if you trust that nurkic is three-pointer is real just imagine what the defense looks like if you have nurkic and aaron gordon at the four or five so uh, you know he would even make sense in Golden State. I don't know what type of package you build because you're not getting Wiseman or the Minnesota pick in that scenario, but they do have the salary matching fodder to get interesting with that. So there are just a bunch of different things that 
Um, Denver. It even makes sense in Denver now. Like, play him next to Nikola Jokic instead of Millsap or Green. You could even use him as a wing defensively, not on offense, but defensively. So there are a bunch of teams where he makes sense. And I think the Magic will be, I don't want to say bad enough, but not good enough to where they will consider a substantive change like moving Gordon into this trade deadline. And we know that they considered it last year. Uh, seriously. They just didn't do it because the interest wasn't there. So maybe what I'm really predicting is that there's going to be more interest in Aaron Gordon this season, which wouldn't surprise me because, again, I do think there are a lot of teams that he could help. Last one, Dan, and we, we did it. Um, the Grizzlies regress and take a step back and very much miss the playoffs next year. Yeah, I think that's the easiest one you've given me on this entire podcast. I'm glad they, we agree. I, I've already penciled it in. They're missing the playoffs and they're taking a step back. Like, I've already just penciled it in. Look, I mean, John Morant might be a lot better, but Jaron Jackson Jr. is not going to be available to start the season. Justice Winslow's banged up again, and you don't necessarily know how he's going to fit. They still need a second shot creator. Like, it can't be Dylan Brooks. And the West is just – it's harder than it was last year. The Blazers aren't injured beyond reason, and they got deeper – on the wings uh, you look at phoenix they're a lot better the warriors are going to be healthier at least they're not going to be the worst team in the west you have them to contend with uh could is it possible the pelicans are better maybe not but possibly i think the mavericks got a little bit better just looking at what josh richardson can do for their defense yeah the thunder are worse maybe the rockets implode but like this conference it they kind of showed towards the end of disney that they were outside the fringes of the discussion anyway by the time they lost in the play-in. And I think they're only going to lean further into that just because, uh, one, the the injuries to Jared Jackson Jr. and Justice Winslow might cost them ground earlier on in the season that they can't make up. And I don't think that they necessarily, you know, not that they're going to try to lose, but I don't think they're concerned with this season. They're trying to find that guy who's going to be, you know, the third um, star to complete what they have with Jackson and Morant. They're probably looking for someone who could be better than Jackson. And next year's draft is loaded. There's a market inefficiency with regard to teams who aren't concerned with winning this season as of right now only the thunder in the west have steered have tried to steer it out of that so i could see the grizzlies they don't necessarily have the players to trade to do something similar but um i could see them just you know treating guys with kid gloves maybe we don't see morant play more than 30 minutes a game um, maybe they're giving guys some rest nights so i i would be if you told me they made the playoffs if you told me they made the play-in i would be borderline shocked mm, i would as well i would as well all right, Dan. Well, that's all I've got. Actually, one other thing about the Grizzlies. Uh, would you like to feel old, Dan? Uh, sure. Why not? I don't like this. Gorgie Jang is their oldest player, and uh, I am older than him. Oh, geez. Like that this. didn't even... Yeah, I mean, we're getting to that point, and it's like, as LeBron kind of inches forward towards his career, like the end of his career, and you like remember when he came into the NBA, that's another way to kind of feel old. So... Um... A lot of moments like that. Yeah, we don't talk enough about LeBron's been in the league as long as like it took for us to be born and graduate high school. Right. I mean, that year That's eighteen, and what really catch, and it catches you off guard because of when the season ended. Like normally, yeah. you're used to having more time before he turns like another year older. But it's like, oh, this is LeBron's age thirty six season. That's just absolutely wild. And just look at, like, what's become of the that story draft class around him. It had so many stars, but, like, at the top, they're all basically out of the NBA, and Melo's now a sixth man, but he's still perhaps the best player in the league and um, in a really good position to win his fifth championship. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Dan. Well, that's all I've got. Is there anything you would like to plug before you wrap up here? Uh, no, I do have my 
annual player rankings at Bleacher Report are being released. We'll have the, I think the day before the regular season starts, I'll have my top 100. Oh, there was a panel. So the words are mine. And then the rankings were done by a group of ours. I did have some, you know, I had a trounce card where I could do tie breaks myself, but that's always a fun, comprehensive, exhausting project. So I encourage people to check it out and to uh, at least be kind when they criticize how I ranked their favorite players too low. All right, let's go do it. Um, Dan, I'm excited. The NBA season is uh, closing in. Go check out Dan's great work on Hardwood Knox and all of his written work. Um, Dan, keep up the great work, sir. And uh, we will talk again soon once the NBA gets going. Most definitely. Thank you for having me as always, Chase. Take care. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.